Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. All right, now some of you are thinking, did you guys accidentally like play the City Kids video for us? What, what is going on with this opening video? We didn't, even though I think there's a lot that we could learn from some of our City Kids lessons. But this video perfectly sets up our conversation today as we continue our series above and beyond. You see, in this video, it, it's made to introduce the idea of the Holy Spirit, understanding that the villagers in the story, they didn't realize the power that they had in the tractor. They didn't understand that, that just because they heard the engine, it didn't mean it was actually doing what it was created to do. Even though the tractor was great because it, it helped them some days as they went 10 feet or, or 20 feet and it helped get the job done a little bit easier than doing it by hand, there was a more significant power available. And last week we introduced this idea to you that that we can do some good things with a head full of knowledge about Jesus and a heart full of passion, but the power comes from being in connection with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. This connection that's there, the reality is this, this big red tractor, as we saw, it symbolizes the church. As a church, we have access to a power that will take our efforts, take our dreams, take our calling, take our plan, above and beyond what we could ask or imagine. But that power is connected to the Holy Spirit. It's, it's one of these amazing truths within our faith. You see, we love God the Father and we, we cherish Jesus our Savior. But many times the forgotten God in the Trinity is the Holy Spirit. And as we introduce this who the Holy Spirit was and why is he important in your life last week, it, it always brings me back to the early church. The early church in the, the days following Jesus's ascension into heaven, the early church was unstoppable. But they faced more obstacles than maybe any other church in history. They, they faced death. They, they faced government oppression. They faced religious rivals. They faced the early days of a movement trying to get it off the ground, explaining to people things that they had never heard or experienced before, but literally nothing can stop them. Is that how we would describe the church in America today? Unstoppable, filled with power, seeing Jesus at work. In, in some ways, the answer could be yes, but I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied with where we are now. There is a power that's available to us. Acts chapter one and eight says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The power led to the witness. Power led to people hearing the mission and the message of the cross. The Holy Spirit is there to empower us to live out this assignment 
that we were given. Last week we talked about this, that, that as we accept Jesus into our hearts, as we are baptized into Christ, that we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is there within us, but there's a different level that's available. You see it on the screen. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a point in which the Spirit is not just in you, but it empowers you. It gives you power. But all of what we learned last week, and and I shared with you, it's such a challenging message for me to try to take these complicated things and make them understandable and practical, but also, also inspirational for you to want to open your heart to seeing the Holy Spirit at work in your life. The why behind the what is that as you as you take a step forward in your faith journey, as you get closer to Jesus, as you begin to live on mission, you open the door for more, more influence and more impact and more purpose. But you also open the door for more attention from the enemy of your soul. More attention that you're getting off of the sidelines of your faith and getting onto the field where the hits are real. And some of you are stepping into battlefields and you didn't even realize you were stepping into it. You're just trying to share your faith with a coworker. You're you're just trying to be better in your marriage and be a better husband and a father. You're trying to live with purpose and live on mission. And all of a sudden you're feeling things that you've never felt. You you feel the, the growth that's happening within you, but you also feel these things that you would describe as, man, like almost an attack. And it's because you are stepping into more. And so we're, we're in this series to help us understand that, that the battle will feel overwhelming if we're not powered by the Spirit. So how do we know if the, the Holy Spirit is active in our lives? You'll see this on the screen. It's so important. When the Holy Spirit is active in your life, the evidence will be fruits and gifts of the Spirit. Fruits gifts of the Spirit. And today we're going to be talking about the fruits of the Spirit. And anytime I think about this, it always brings me back to the farmer's market. I have this like love-hate relationship with the farmer's market. And all over San Diego, we have these beautiful farmer's markets that you can get all kinds of incredible things at. But the king of them all is the Little Italy Farmer's Market. It's so bougie. It's so fancy. Like, I I feel like I need a scarf and a fancy drink when I'm walking around there. Like, it's just it's just one of those places that you just feel like, oh, this is San Diego. Right. Like, you just feel something different there. But it's also overwhelming. There are so many people and I'm a people person. And it's just too many people and it's just too crowded and and too chaotic and everyone's running over each other. And it's it's just this mess. And it it never fails that every time I'm there, I get me mugged for having a child. Yes, there is a demographic demographic of people who literally frown upon human children. And they're usually the people who are carrying around a 50-pound labradoodle in a shoulder sling. You got a, a hand, in one hand, you got a, a bag full of poop. In the other one, you're holding a 50-pound dog, and I'm the crazy one? Come on now, I don't understand it. But it never fails. It's a, ugh, a child. It's just this weird thing. 
But the appeal of going to a farmer's market is the, the local vendors. You get to put a face with the, the product. You get to hear stories about their farm and their orchards and their, their vineyards and how they're growing the fruit and where they're growing and the special magical soil that they use to grow these things. And it's this beautiful thing, but they would all tell you the same exact truth that is true about our spiritual walk. The health of the tree determines the health of the fruit. The health of the tree determines the health of the fruit. You don't have a great healthy tree and terrible fruit. They lead to each other. An even deeper truth than that is, is whatever seed you plant is the fruit you will bear. You're not going to plant apple seeds and get an avocado. Right? Like we, we understand this. It seems pretty basic. But somehow in our spiritual walk, we miss this, that the health of the tree determines the health of the fruit, that the seed that you plant is the, the fruit that you will reap. We, we somehow miss this because somehow in our life, we, we can't plant doubt and expect to sprout faith in the middle of our storm. Don't miss that. We're, we're planting doubt and insecurity and fear, and then we're surprised when the storm comes and we're like, why am I so doubtful and fearful and, 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 and full of anxiety? Because that's what we planted. In the same way, you can't plant urgency and chaos and expect to have peace when your expectations aren't met. The health of the tree determines the health of the fruit. The health of the seed and the type of seed determines the health and the type of the fruit. We have to understand this. See, the New Testament actually talks about fruit or, or fruitfulness over 66 times. It was this illustration that was used by so many people and in so many ways. And Jesus shared some incredible ideas about fruit with us. He actually shares this with us in John 15, starting in verse 7. He says, but if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, health of the tree, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my father. I love each of you with the same love that the father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. Again, the health of the tree. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands, for I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. In verse 16, he says, but you didn't choose me. I've chosen and commissioned you to go into the world to do what? To bear fruit. And your fruit will last because whatever you ask of my father for my sake, he will give it to you. I have chosen and commissioned you to go and bear fruit. You are called and commissioned to bear fruit. Spiritual fruit is, is an expression of what's happening in a person's spirit. This is why he's saying I am, I am nourished and, and filled and empowered by God's love, by my father's love. That's what the health of the tree is what is producing this fruit, and this fruit is going to last. 
But it's important to note that it's not optional. You will produce fruit. Listen, whether you're a Jesus follower, you're an atheist, or you're somewhere in between those two, your life produces fruit. You can't help it. The question is, what fruit are you producing? What fruit are you producing? Is it healthy? Is it beneficial? Is it encouraging? Or is it hurtful, self-serving, self-sabotaging? The fruit that is being bore by the tree of your life, how healthy is that fruit? What does that fruit look like? So when we talk about the, the spirit, the fruits of the spirit, these Holy Spirit driven fruits in our lives, what are those? And for some of you who've been in church for a really long time, you know, oh, I, I remember that from Sunday school. But it's important for us to take a look at these and understand that these fruits should be evident in our life, evident that the Holy Spirit is empowering us. Paul unpacks these fruits of the Spirit in his letter to the Galatian church in Galatians 5, 22. He says this, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. I always love that line in there. There's no law against these things because Paul is coming off of several paragraphs of talking about our sinful nature, about how we're, we, we're just driven by these things to do what's against God. We bear these, these terrible fruits naturally in our lives, selfishness and, and, and just hurtfulness that comes through us if we're not careful. And so he's helping them understand how to see what Jesus is doing in regards to the, the old life and, and his new commands and the old law and, and, and Jesus's new commands. He's trying to connect the dots and he's saying, hey, if you want to not have to worry about the do's and the don'ts, it's really simple. Produce these kinds of fruit. These fruit are evidence that the Holy Spirit is active in your life. There's no laws in the law of Moses or the law of man that are against these. This is so important. But here's the issue. These are not like all that special, right? Because how many of you in your life, you, you know an atheist who's actually pretty loving? How many of you know someone who, who believes in another religion? They're, they're Muslim or they're, they're Buddhist or they're Mormon. And, and they just, they happen to be kind, we all have those people in our lives, right? We have, we have those people who can produce some of these fruits. So, so what's the difference? If they can love, if they can be kind, if, if they can in some ways be peaceful, what makes these uniquely a gift that's connected to the Holy Spirit of God in our lives? And here's the truth. We should have these fruit in our lives to a supernatural degree that can only be explained by our connection to the power of God. We should have these in our lives in such a way that people go, wait, 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 wait. This doesn't make any sense. Like this is, 
how are you this way? How, how is your life producing these things? In other words, the way that you love one another should be so counterintuitive that it causes people to go, why do you love like that? How, how do you have peace like that? Your, your peace in the, the midst of chaos when everyone else is panicking should be such a marker of your trust in God's faithfulness that people remark about it and go, how are you still standing? How do you still have peace in the midst of what you're facing? Jesus gives us this incredible example when he's sharing about how God loves us and what it looks like for our lives to produce love. In Matthew 5, he says, hey, your ancestors have also taught you to love your neighbor and hate the one who hates you. Like that seems to make sense, right? Love the people that you love and, and if they hate you, then you, you, just don't, you just don't have anything to do with them. However, I say to you, Love your enemy. Bless the one who curses you. Do something wonderful for the one who hates you and respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them. For that will reveal your identity as children of your heavenly father. He is kind to all by bringing the sunrise to warm and the rainfall to refresh, whether a person does what is good or evil. What reward do you deserve if you only love the lovable? Ooh, there's a lot there. Don't even the tax collectors, he, he's saying this for like effect because then he knew how much they hated the tax collectors. Don't even the tax collectors do that. They love the ones who are lovable. How are you any different from others if you limit your kindness only to your friends? Don't even the ungodly do that? Jesus understood. He said, no, 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 no. Loving people who love you, congratulations. Loving people who hate you, who persecute you, praying for them, doing good for them, caring for them. Wow, that. That's a different kind of love. That when the Holy Spirit is at work and is empowering your life, the fruit reveals your identity as a child of God. When our love, when our, our joy, when our peace, our patience, our kindness, our goodness, our faithfulness, our gentleness, our self-control is, is powered by our will, it's powered by our effort, it's powered by our motivation, we can bear some good fruit. But the effort is enormous. And the fruit is just enough. You remember that in the video? They produced just enough fruit to get by. But when they were powered the right way, when it was powered, it was so great that the world was impacted by it. It wasn't just enough for them to survive. It was more, it was above and beyond, and it impacted the villages and the cities and the world around them because the fruit was so great. When powered correctly, our fruit can change the world. So those fruits of the Spirit, when, when I think about the fruits of the Spirit, I, I think of them in, in four different ways. I kind of put them into these four baskets, these fruit baskets. And the first one is this, that love and joy are virtues we are promised. Love and joy are virtues that we are promised. James 1 and 2 
says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it. Uh, you got to love the Bible. When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Got it. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. James is saying joy is not happiness. Happiness is a feeling. Joy is a foundation. That even in the midst of trials and troubles, you can count it all joy. Because you know that the endurance and the perseverance that is found in making it through the troubles and the pain and the heartache, it produces something within you that changes the world. We assume that the presence of trouble is evidence of God's lack of love for us. But Paul says in Romans 8, so now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or our future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So how differently would you live your life if you were fully convinced that God loves you and can produce joy in the midst of the challenges of life. It's a promise we're given. How differently would you live your life? Would you, would you take advantage of that love and sin? Like a, a husband who has a trusting wife, who uses that trust against her to go and do things he knows he shouldn't know. No, 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 we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that if that's the kind of love and joy that we were promised. Would you trust him implicitly even in the dark days? Would you, would you let the presence of the storm cause you to question whether or not God still loves you? Would you keep it a secret? Or would you share it with the world? Would you lead with love or would you live with judgment? We got to understand that love and joy are promised to us in this relationship with Jesus. We're promised that love and joy will be a byproduct of a healthy relationship with Jesus. The healthy tree produces healthy fruit. We're promised this. The second basket is, is that peace and patience and kindness are virtues we pursue. Peace, patience, and kindness are virtues we pursue. James 3.17 says, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It, it shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. You see, when we live from a foundation of love and joy and we pursue the Holy Spirit with a willingness, what did he say there? A willingness to yield to others. We pursue the Holy Spirit as we, we give mercy instead of harshness and judgment. That we pursue the Holy Spirit as we 
We have the patience to plant peace rather than promoting ourselves and fighting for our own way. All of these things, this, this pursuit will shape us and, and show us in some powerful ways through our lives. We pursue these virtues. They don't come natural. Peace doesn't come natural. Patience doesn't come natural. For some people, kindness does. It, it comes naturally to you. But we have to, we have to work on this, especially in the world that we live in. We're pursuing peace and patience and kindness. The third basket is that goodness and faithfulness are virtues we become. Goodness and faithfulness are virtues we become. Jesus made it clear that you can't behave your way into right standing with God. That as we are becoming like Jesus, as we're baptized into the body, as we are connecting with him, as we surrender ourselves completely, we start to become more and more like him. We take on his characteristics. Our, our heart starts to be shaped by what he's passionate about. And it's through his work that we find our righteousness. This is, it's through him that we're, we're becoming. Are we going to ever be Jesus? No, we're never going to be perfect, but we're, we're becoming more like the example he shared with us. Goodness, goodness speaks to this life that's built on the principles of God, that we're shaped by the principles of God. It's who we're becoming, not something we're doing. It's who we are becoming. We're not trying to be good. The byproduct, and we use that word a lot, but it's, it's interchangeable with the fruit. The fruit of our faithfulness and our obedience to the Lord is that we become the goodness that we seek after. We become faithful. I, I think about it this way. Listen, I don't have to convince myself to be faithful to Lauren. You're like, what? Seriously, I don't have to convince myself to be faithful to Lauren. This summer, we make 15 years being married. I don't have to wake up in the morning and go, come on, Danny, you got one more day, one more day of being a faithful husband. You can do this. No. The foundation of love and joy, the, the pursuit of, of peace, patience, and kindness, all of those things have helped me become faithful to my wife. And on most days, good to her. It's things that I become, not something I'm trying to force myself to produce. And eventually in your relationship with Jesus and as you're pursuing the Holy Spirit, you're not convincing yourself to faithfully follow Jesus. You couldn't imagine another way of living. You couldn't imagine doing life any other way. Goodness and faithfulness become virtues we become. And finally, the last basket is gentleness and self-control are virtues we reflect. Virtues we reflect. I love how James says, says this in, in chapter one. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover 
the reflection of his face in the beginning. But listen to this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. You're looking at a mirror. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word. But then you go out and forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. The New Living Translation says, don't just be hearers of the word, but doers. We we can be honest with ourselves. How many of you have have heard a message and thought, ooh, man, that's good. I, I needed to hear that, Pastor. I needed to see that in the word. I've got some changes to make. Two hours later, three hours later, Monday morning rolls around, and you can't remember a single thing. You felt in the moment. James would say, I'm I'm not as cruel as James. James would say that is the essence of self-deception. That you look in the mirror, you see what God says about you. You see what God wants to do in and through you. You feel it, but you turn your gaze somewhere else and you forget your divine origin and you forget things that your heavenly father said about you. We go out and forget. But let's just be honest for a second. It's easier to remember the bad than it is the good. Not to meddle, but it's it's a lot easier for you to remember that the time that your spouse is messed up than it is to remember all of the times that they've been encouraging. It just happens. It's, it's easier for you to remember the, the words of that one family member that were negative than remembering all of the positive ones you've heard in the years prior. It's easier to remember that one presentation at work where you messed up versus the hundreds of other ones that you crushed it. It's easier to remember Why? Because the enemy of your soul wants you to forget the good and dwell on the negative. Forget about that good that's in the mirror. Forget about the words that God says about you. Don't you remember that time you messed up? You're in a battle for your reflection. For many of us, we see our reflection in God's word and we think, Man, I've got a long way to go, but you know what? It's going to be worth it. We can can totally do it, but before we know it, we... We pretend like we never saw what he said. We ignore and we forget. Some of us eventually, we just get rid of the mirror altogether. We stop listening to that voice of truth. You see, the Holy Spirit activated in your life. He keeps the mirror in front of us. Not for judgment, not to be belittled, but to remind us constantly of who God says we are. To remind us constantly of the purpose and the plan and the destiny and the calling and the anointing and the power that is present in our divine origin. We only see that when we look into the mirror of God's word and the Holy Spirit reveals to us those things. He draws our attention to Jesus. He draws our affection to Jesus. He draws our our truth from God. That's the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. When we do this, Our lives are shaped by him, 
and the lies of the enemy are uprooted and the healthy seeds are planted again and again and again and again. And eventually the harvest that we reap is from a tree that's rooted in Jesus that is healthy and whole. And our fruit is produced by the spirit activated in our lives daily. A heart passionate for God. A life designed to model Jesus. And a world that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. So as we get ready to pray, the question that you and I have to navigate today, how's your fruit? How's your fruit? Does it seem like the fruit of your life is is non-existent? There's a fruit of your life, it's, it's pretty good, but it's powered by you. Or is it fruit that can only be explained by being empowered by the Holy Spirit? It's not just that your life can produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. It's not just that you can produce those things. It's asking ourselves, are we producing these things in a way that the only way we can explain it is our connection to God? And if not, then we've got some opportunities to look in the mirror and allow the seeds that are planted to be a little bit healthier and a little bit more empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much. We, we, many of us are so familiar with this idea of the fruits of the Spirit and, and we look for them in our lives and, well, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm loving. Yeah, 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 I, I try to have peace. Yeah, I'm trying to, to be patient. And, but that's the key. I'm trying to. Lord, I, I pray that your Holy Spirit will reveal to us those areas where our fruit is being powered by our effort instead of being powered by your Holy Spirit. Help us to see the areas where we're trying to do it on our own and produce fruit with a head full of knowledge about Jesus and a, and a heart full of passion. Help us understand that without your Spirit, we cannot produce the fruit you have called us to produce. Lord, we're so thankful for the opportunity that we can look in the mirror of your word and not hear chastisement, not hear condemnation, not hear things telling us how terrible we are, but we can look into the reflection of your word and see that you see us in a way that is loved and cherished and cared for, that you are so affectionate for us that we don't need our validation in any place except for you. Lord, speak to our hearts. Help us as we navigate the health of our tree and, and the health of our fruits. Reveal things to us that only you could. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.